welcome to another episode of Elgin of the Podcast. I'm Abdullah. I'm Tom. And uh, please excuse me, excuse uh, my voice. I am tired as I'm recording this because it's been a busy day at work. And sorry if I'm not up to my usual, you know, crazy self. But yeah, this week has been really shitty, so what can you do? Yeah, the, the benefits of having a real life job. So we're going to start us out with uh, with uh, the DuckTales stuff. Yeah, why not? So, uh, this, uh, Jaws, uh, one of the best episodes of the season. Jaws with a cash symbol explanation. <laughs> yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, uh, really, really good episode. I, I, I'm trying my hardest to really think of flaws in it, but I can't. It's a really no, good episode. Really, it was... Uh, it was funny. It was, uh, it was just the whole concept. Okay, what, what's gonna happen? I know, let's unleash a giant money shark into Scrooge McDuck's, um, boom. And I, I like it because it's, it's, um, after like so much filler episodes, we finally get back to one of the, one of the main plots, which is, uh, Lena and, and Magica. And it sets up, you know, this, this episode really sets up, uh, this version of Magica. And for those that are worried that the character was going to be, like, too serious, uh, then your worries were kind of dumb, because this episode establishes that Magic has pretty much has, retains the same personality as her um, classic counterpart, which is, you know, a goofy villain. Yeah. But still scary. Yeah, but the way that we're going to scare it, again, giant money shot. Even the character of the giant money shot look ridiculous. I know. <laughs> I also love, I mean, um, I mean, the show has, has really good animation, but I really adore the animation on Magic. Have you noticed how fluid it is? It's really yeah, fun. I, I really like the concept, especially when they showed it off earlier on, basically. I know it was just a shadow, but it was very fluid back then as well, so I really like, like that. Um, I really did, um, I like the fact that just pretty much kind of confirmed that she is going after his number one guy officially because it was hinting toward towards the dime in previous episodes where I can remember but this one pretty much flat out says yeah she wants the dime and this incarnation it kind of makes sense because she's trapped and she needs to you know destroy the dime to get out apparently yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be an interesting question so is I don't know is the final episode they're going to finally she finally does destroy the dime I think the season's gonna end like on a cliffhanger. I can already tell it's gonna end like on a cliffhanger. Yeah. And because they already established her as the main antagonist, and they established Lena as the secondary antagonist, and and for those that really don't like Lena, I, I understand like some of the complaints with her, but I really like the character. Like yeah, I, I understand like some of the complaints. Lord knows like there are some legit complaints, but most of the complaints are just like, yeah, you know, she's too edgy, and I'm like, really? <laughs> she's not really that edgy. She's she, she, she just a goofy teenager. That's pretty much her character. But again, she's a good character, but again, they're teenagers, they're meant to be antsy, they're meant to be millennials. They're supposed to be relating to their target audience. Yeah, and I like that they're trying something new and like taking uh, a character who did not exist in the original series and fleshing her out alongside the other characters. And I mean that that must have not been an easy task to do. Yeah. And unlike other episodes, the subplot in this one was actually really hilarious with Scrooge in the interview. Oh god, that interview was just hilarious. <laughs> I, 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 I was just sitting there, like, okay, I was just gonna go, and then after seeing that little whole little section, I looked at the arm, so, okay, this is pretty hell. That's the kind of thing you And which, which part of Ireland are you from again? <laughs> oh my god, why? Don't say it's in Scotland. <laughs> it's like the biggest insult ever. And, and then once again, this episode solidifies, solidifies the fact that Glom Gold is easily the funniest character in the entire in the entire series. Glom has no chill for anyone. I, I, I uh, two of the funniest jokes in the episode is not all of us can are rich enough to afford top hats, and he's like, "You have, you're already rich." Yeah. <laughs> And uh, the other one was, uh, you tried to rob me up two times, three times if you're counting. Now, <laughs> now, 
Also, I did very much the basis that the money shot was um, um, threatens the citizens of Doc, but I thought that was quite funny. I'm like, really? You get threatened by a giant shark? You know? And then, well, again, the, the seeing as this episode's called Jaws, there are a lot of references to Jaws. They, the oh. they use is similar to the final boat in the climax of that movie. Uh, Launchpad launch rams the boat into the shark, I think, just like they did in Jaws 2, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah, they ran the shark in Jaws 2, yeah. And, uh, no, 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 it's Revenge, I think they ran the shark. I can't, I, uh, I might not, no, I might be wrong about it's Jaws Revenge. And, uh, there's a reference to the, the original Jaws where you just see the fin of the shark before seeing the pole, the, the entire yeah. shark. Uh, even the little music cues, even though it's not directly Jaws, but it was very similar to Jaws. You, you know what I mean? You notice that? Like yeah, you yeah. get it close as possible, but not on the dock to it, you know? I also love the, the joke. I mean, this is a subtle joke, and I love visual gags, but I love the fact that Magic has a shadow, and she used, she does she does shadow puppets. I thought yeah. that was fucking hilarious. Like I said, this show, uh, we said earlier, uh, when we started reviewing this um, series, uh, we decided that the visual humor for the show was really good. I still say the best visual break they've done in the show so far is the, um, his lawyers are essentially vultures. Yeah, that was a really, really clever visual joke, and again, this was a really good episode. This is like one of my favorite episodes of the season, and we got some really good development for Lena, and, um, you know, I'm interested to see where her and Magic's arc continues. How do you feel about Lena using the power of the magic of friendship? It's cheesy, but it kind of fits the the show. Because I, I would rather I would rather this than the, the than the Greek episode. Oh yeah, the Greek episode was very meh. Yeah, very terrible. Probably the worst episode of the season so far. It'll be fair for a total episode. It wasn't like. The worst of the worst of stuff I've ever watched, so, you know, but it is definitely the weakest one of, of this show so far, the Greek episode. Yeah. So I would rather, I would, I mean, it would kind of make sense because they kind of need to establish the fact that she has powers as well, but she doesn't use them because, you know, she doesn't want to get caught. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was interesting, I'm actually reminding Lena that about her freedom and stuff like that, which was interesting in the sense basically you think yourself, well, why is she doing this? And you sort of get a reason as to more of a reason to why she's doing stuff in magic, just not because they're related, you know? Yeah, because she's you know, they're bonded together and they she can only be freed yeah. by, you know, doing what so, Magica wants. <laughs> yeah. I mean it was, it was cool, basically, because I d I don't remember them actually going towards that. That then they mentioned it in the previous plot lines um, in the episodes, so it was good that we actually got an actual reason as to why she's um, why she's doing all this for Magica, and they was like, okay, that's the reason. Okay, that's good reason to why. You know? Well, plus again, like I mean, I know I've been very critical of Catherine Tate's stuff in like Doctor Who and, and The Office, but honestly, like she's really good as Magica here. Like she's she's. So you're going to do voices, so it makes sense she would do some voice acting work eventually. And she's really good as Magica. Like, I mean, yeah, it's it's a British accent instead of an Eastern Romanian accent, but yeah, you know, I'll live with it. It's, it's a stereotype and another stereotype. Get over it. Plus, yeah, plus she actually has an excuse, seeing as she's actually British, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm drinking my cup of tea and eating my scone and sitting in my top hat and punching my monocle. <laughs> I mean, no, it's, it's, it was a really fun episode, and I do love the fact that when they say that Money Shark is, like, throwing out money, Gromagold is like, uh, do you have a, do you want a comment? And then he just, like, sits there in silence for a few seconds, and then just runs off. I just love that. I just love that woman, guy. And so it's like, it didn't need to be there, but, you know, I appreciate that little joke being there. And I love the ending where the Beagle Boys show up and, and uh, the henchmen from the first episode show up with Glomgold dressed in a pony in, in like the piss poor di- in the most piss poor disguise ever trying to collect Scrooge's money. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the 
Again, like, the visual gags are really hilarious, and I think that that was a really great visual gag to end on. Yeah. And once again, this of those that that complained about Scrooge being like too too interested in adventure, this episode is more classic Scrooge from the original series, which he cares a lot about his money. So there you yeah. go. You know, Definitely. meeting meeting the old fans halfway, which again, it's really again good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Again, not not a lot to complain about because this episode was really good. <laughs> Yeah, really good. Humor is good. Jokes were good. Um, story line was really good. By the fact they went back to the main plot, um, well, one of the main plots, because they show the main plot, like, there's two main plots running side by side in the main plot, basically the one with the magister and the one that with you do with Louis' mother at the moment, so I'm glad that they went back to one of them. Um, magical one, definitely. And it just, and it was really sad at the end where, you know, she has to make a choice, so she chooses Magicka. That was kind of depressing and pretty powerful for a show. Pretty dramatic scene for something on DuckTales of all things. Uh, you, you know, like I said, it's a new show and they're going to take new risks with it and it looked like the writers are taking the show in the right direction so old and new fans can actually both enjoy it at the same time. Yeah, I really do like this incarnation of Magicka, but then again, I'm biased. I mean, Magicka is my favorite villain of the show. Of course I'm going to like it. <laughs> yeah. Again, this this is how you do a re again, DuckTales, this is how you do a reboot. I like that god awful Thundercat rule thing that we're about coming out next year. Well I mean in good news speaking of reboots, the Pop of Girls reboots ending, so thank fuck. Well again, that's just <laughs> that just just, just did so badly no one liked it. You actually watched that hour-long special with Bliss. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? I was bored. It was a Wednesday. Um, nothing was going on. And my fiancé my fiance and my friends were both busy doing stuff that day. I had literally nothing to do. So I, I basically, everybody said, you know what? Everyone's going to bitch and moan about the film online. Why do I actually watch about it? They don't have a right to bitch and moan about the about the film. Because <laughs> I just saw clips of it and I'm like, this is fan fiction. This is fucking fan fiction. Oh god, I see. Was it someone did a fan comic of it and actually did a better job explaining this and actually made it more like I wouldn't say more likable, but basically introduced her a lot more better. Because she was such a fucking Mary Sue in that in that thing. Like, oh god, yeah. good lord. <laughs> She actually came back from, from what I've heard, but I haven't seen that episode, so I can't really make a comment about that. But it, it did so poorly that it ended, it's ending, thank fuck. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, speaking of things that shouldn't exist, Creed 2! Oh boy. <sighs> where, do we start, where do we start with this? Like, as a fan of the first one, this looks like shit. This looks like something they shot in a month. <sighs> They're trying to cash in on the hype of Michael B. Jordan after Black Panther. That's clearly one of the factors in play here. Because I feel like, don't you feel like that basically there was like, this was no announcement to the Maybe when Black Panther came out, we started hearing tons and tons of news about Creed 2 happening finally. And, and everyone was like, oh, you know, Drago's kind of got to come back. I, how much do you want to bet that he's only going to be in the movie for like 20 or so minutes? Because for those that don't know, Dolph, Dolph Lundgren is in Aquaman. And I guarantee you they did not have him on set for that long for this. I guarantee you. It, I would I say it would depend, to be honest, what? Has he done feature film wise? You know? And, but, but again, like you say, if he is in it, the way they can do it is basically, um, Creed is fighting someone else, but he is the apprentice to Ida Drago, and we don't see Ida Drago in certain select scenes, and we don't see him, him meet Creed until like the nearly, nearly, near the end of the film. Because if, if they, because if they want, uh, I would imagine they shot his, his stuff first. And then they just had him, like, come in to do, like, extra reshoots uh, later on, because he's been busy with Aquaman all year, so... Is he Aquaman? Yeah, yeah, he is. 
I did not know that. They kept, again, one of those groups basically banging all their superhero films at the moment. So no, they showed, they showed, um, uh, Chetro's and stuff, yeah. He's in that. And, <laughs> and he's been doing, he's been doing, um... Maybe so, they do have the obligation to get that film out. So, yeah. That was about that yeah. time anyway, but, but, I mean, like... I w- because when I watched the trailer for Creed 2, I'm like, he's going to be in it for like only 20 minutes or so, because I would imagine they shot this around the same time, like, <laughs> you know, uh, Lundgren was busy doing Aquaman. So I wouldn't imagine he would be in it for that long. Like I said, you'll probably see him in a few key select scenes, and then you will see more of his apprentice and then you won't see him actually have a confrontation with Kree until like near, near the actual end of the film. And it just, yeah. looks, it just looks like a pointless ca- cash grab. It's just like like you said, Michael B. Jordan's a big star now. Uh, studios want to push more movies with him in the lead role and they're like, oh, he was in Creed, right? Oh, that was a great movie. Let's do another one. And it's yeah. just like... I'm I'm all, I'm fine with them doing another Creed movie, but this looks like a pointless cash grab. I hope I, I really don't want it to be a bad film, because um, to be quite frank, that Creed film when it came out in 2015, no one had major hopes for it to do amazingly well. But lo and behold, it was a fantastic film from start to finish. Because um, it, because it did what what uh, continuation should do, which is to take um, take something people recognize, and, but give them something new at the same time. Again, and Ryan Coogler, um, the director of the film, he, can, he has proven he can do that, take that, you just said, take something that's been there already, but make it interesting again. He's done it with Creed, he's done it with Black Panther. Uh, give me an idea, mate. I, the place, the place where I work at, the large majority of people who work there are African, originally from Africa, right? And they have all seen the film and said how good it was representing Africa in that sort of, even though it was a made up nation, but it was nice of them to finally get a film on black people and also on African heritage, right, you know? I mean, it, it had its problems, but, you know, I can, oh, yeah, yeah, see, yeah. I can see what, what you mean by that, but... Yeah. Yeah, good for them, good for them. Yeah, it really, it, it's, it's great, but it's a bit of a shame that, you know, they didn't get him back to do the sequel. Because, like, once you, like, here's the thing, like, once you get, like, Marvel stuff, you're not gonna, you're gonna be in high demand. Because I would imagine, yeah. like, studios are just, like, throwing money at this guy right now, trying to get him to direct their next movie, and he just doesn't have time to do Creed 2. And Michael B. Jordan, while, you know, he's still, he's, he's rising up as a star, you know, he's kind of like, he doesn't have his, like, you know, franchise where he's the main star, and that's what they're trying to do with Creed. Yeah. Because he, he doesn't have a franchise. He has one movie, one successful movie under his name, and that's Creed. Yeah. Everything else he's done has either been, like, indie films or supporting roles. The guy who they get to the, the film, the, the second Creed film, he hasn't... He's been in the industry for a little while, but he hasn't done a lot, you know? Well, I mean, he's friends, well, he's friends with Stallone, so wonder how yeah. he got the job. <laughs> yeah, well, he has directed, like, three things, and that's about it. And they're yeah, learning about three things, including this. I mean, I, always, I mean, like, I, I know I'm sounding harsh, but I love Creed. I love Creed. Creed was such a fucking amazing movie, and it pisses me off that they did not get the director to do a, to do a director's commentary for, for the Blu-ray release. That really annoyed me. But good news is, they, they directed, they, he did a commentary for Black Panther, which I need to listen to. Yeah. So. Uh, I, don't, I mean, the trailer looks... I mean, they say nice about the trailer, it looks like it's been shot alright, but the plot, the plot I'm majorly concerned about, because after watching the trailer, I feel like it's just going to go through the emotions and not do anything interesting with it, you know? I can already imagine what it's going to be like, you know, he finds out that it's Drago, he remembers his dad, he gets angry, ends up fucking up, or getting angry, or getting hurt, or whatever, 
And then Rocky comes in and says, Oh, you gotta let go of your anger. You gotta get, get let, let go of your anger. It's not good. And then... Ugh. <laughs> like, you can tell. It's gonna be by the numbers. Let go of your anger. Yeah. Move on. And just win the fight. Yeah, and I don't know how I'm feeling about... Um the writing wise but Stallone is um, back in the writing helm, helm writing this one oh god <laughs> he's co-writing it with um, another guy um looks for Stallone to fucking inf- blow himself on screen yeah he's co-writing it with another writer I can't remember what the co-writer name was at the moment but hey that mean it can either be bad or good you know cause here's the thing with Stallone he, he can be a really great actor, but as a director and writer, not really. Yeah, it's... Let me... I don't know, I, I don't know how to feel, feel about him being a writer in this, but honestly, he didn't... Again, I know he had a little input on the first Creed film, with, with, but the whole premise was that um, Ryan, um, Ryan actually wrote the large majority of it was his story, you know. Plus, again, like he was the like Stallone didn't even want to do Creed. He had he was like talked into it. Yeah. Originally, he was like, ah, I don't want to do another Rocky movie, but they're like, no, 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 it's gonna be like totally different. And it's like, okay, he read the script and really loved it. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. And and, and, I, just, and I just think like. And I think you'll agree with me when I say this. What made Creed so great as well was it was a great send-off to the Rocky Balboa character. Yeah, and to give you an idea how good it was, um, Sloan was nominated in the Oscars for Best Supporting Actor for this film, for that film. And that was his first Oscar nomination in how many years? Probably over 20 years, maybe more. Because like I said, when he, when he, you know, given a good director and a good script, he can be a really great actor. Yeah, that, that's the one thing out of his era of action movie stars, he actually can act when he be, if you give him, give him someone that know what they're doing with him, you know? He, I mean, watch First Blood, he's amazing in that. Yeah, that's right. So I don't know, I mean, it just... <clears throat> It just looks like a normal cash grab. Yeah, we'll just have to wait until it comes out. Yeah, might as well. And speaking of cash grabs, Predator! Oh boy. The film, a film that no one asks for, no one wants to see, and no one cares about ever since the last Alien film. And people might wonder, hey, why you mentioned Alien? Well, let's be quite honest, they go hand in hand these films now. Because we know at some point they're going to do a crossover with these two, two new films with them at some point. We just know it's going to happen. Again. And I'm also, one more thing that Hollywood needs to stop doing. Stop uh, telling us that these, that these new movies are the, origin, the original sequels to the original movies. Oh, stop I doing that. Stop fucking okay. doing that. Sorry, I'm going to topic here for a minute. Yeah, I um, just want to say... The new Halloween film we're coming out this year. Yeah. You, you're guilty for that. Stop it. We're yeah, continuing. You mean Halloween H2O? Oh, no, 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 that doesn't exist. This one takes 40 years after the original one. All the other things came after it. No, I had nothing to do with it. You know what the sad thing is? What's that? Halloween 2 is actually a pretty decent movie that sadly a lot of people sleep on. Yeah, I remember watching it, it was decent, but, oh, this one, it, I don't know how to feel about that Predator, I really do not know how to feel about it. It looks so cheap, it looks so goddamn cheap. <sighs> I mean, because what is it, this is eight years since the last one, because the last one called Predators. Oh god, I forgot about that atrocity. Yeah, was well, well, that done by Rodriguez the last one? And he was a producer on that, and that, was, was, spo- and that uh, was supposed to... That was supposed to be, like, this launching point for a new Predator franchise. Guess how well that did. Nothing. 
It's like any any fucking brand name we can think of, we're gonna make a movie and we're gonna make a movie out of it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't say about the Incredible film, they've got Sean Black directing it, so they've got a decent director. And his first feature film since Iron Man Three. Oh god. He's done stuff after it, but they were not really like big mainstream films, you know. And it looks cheap. It looks like it was. It it, it looks like a Fox didn't want to spend any money on this. They're like, okay, yeah, the the last Alien movie, we lost so much money on that. Fuck it. You'll get your Predator movie, but you have to do it on cheap. How cheap? Uh, 200 million cheap. This is this bag of nickels and dimes? Yes, not that much. Uh, it'll be like, can you reuse the costume of previous films? Yes. Can you see, when you watch the film, you see the original costumes in a scene, in behind a glass case, in some sort of scientist's laboratory. Yep. <laughs> and you can tell it's the original Predator stuff, because it looks so old. <laughs> I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but still. It's like, well, we could hire makeup effects and to, to create new suits for these guys, but nah, fuck it, just use the old stuff. It's lying around, no one's using it. Oh, <laughs> oh man, it just looks awful. Looks just atrociously awful. Uh, I mean, the Predator looks... Yeah. The whole... Synopsis for it looks meh. But the premise of it is about a young boy who actually um, triggers the predators to return to Earth. So, is this the. No, Rhodes, so. Um, so, they come to Earth and they up themselves with DNA for other species, apparently, and then there's only a crew of a few soldiers, and then a science teacher involved, and they have to stop the hunters before anyone ever can become a prey. So, it sounds so generic, the premise. You know? And you can tell this, you can, you can tell this movie's gonna be made on the cheap when it's gonna be shot in like one or two locations. Tops. I mean, sometimes it'd be a bunch of film, but then sometimes you might have thought like that, yeah, why are we doing this in such a small location? Because we don't have the budget. It looks like a straight-to-DVD movie. I, I shit you not. It looks like if you take out if you take out the CGI opening of a ship, it looks like a straight-to-DVD movie. Yeah, kind of does. <laughs> and that's that's shame of it. And and how do you know this was made on the cheap? Cause they didn't hire any big name actors for this. No, they get one big name on it. Sean Black. I mean, look, trailer. They basically they basically advertise it. From the director brought you Iron Man 3. Yep. And Kiss Kiss Can Bang Bang, which is film that came out back over in 2005. Yep. Oh. Yep. <laughs> but the beat there, uh, when Black's the most guys with Sammy. Oh god, I forgot about that. This <laughs> shows you how much I give a shit about Shane Black movies. To be, be fair, at least that film was funny and actually was good. Well, yeah, but this looks like a, shit. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, it just looks like, alright, we need, we need one big man to catch the project. It's Shane Black thing by any chance. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to be fair, you always wanted to do a Predator movie, so... There you go. You know, you do him. Again, um, one of the co-writers for someone who Sean Black worked with before, and the guy who did Monster Squad. Oh my god, that's gone way back. How many of you yeah. people, I, how many of you people listening to this remember what Monster Squad is? Yeah, I mean, it's the same guy, so, you know, it's him the problem is that I am worried about, um, about that though, and the guy who did wrote, wrote Monster Squad is also the same guy who wrote, um, wrote Cop 3, and Lethal Weapon 4. Oh good lord. <laughs> and also he did Titan 
Titan A wasn't that bad. Mm. Right. True. Yeah, he was like the demolition man. Oh god! <laughs> well, Lord knows I could go for some Taco Bell in about now. That's an underrated film, I don't care how bad it is. That film is underrated, that film is actually so bad it's good. I even love the Taco Bell shilling. Every yeah. restaurant is a fucking Taco Bell. I also love the fact that they see they predicted that Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to get into politics. Yep. <laughs> Crime doesn't exist anymore, and yet we just ha- we're just gonna we're just going to have an entire museum filled with fucking assault rifles. Yeah, I did. Have you um? Are you gonna use the free cheese shells? God, that was so stupid. Yeah, but Sandra, Sandra Bullock is in that as well. Oh my god, such a cheesy movie. Oh, yeah, she Those are like her earlier movies, right? But that's like one of the first big main feature films, if I'm not mistaken, Demolition And apparently when people do bring up to her, she still talks about it quite fondly. I mean, it was a dumb movie, but whatever. Anyway, um... We get off topic. We're actually talking about something interesting here. <laughs> But no, like I said, basically Sean Black is directing, he's co-writing it with, um, Michael Fred Berker. I think that's how he pronounced his surname. Um, he's, he, he's wrote stuff with Sean Black before. He co-wrote Monster Squad with him and, um, uh, Night of the Creeps as well. I have not seen Night of the Creeps. That's one of those cult movies I have not seen. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, but, I mean, from, from looking at the resume of these two guys and what they've written and what they've done, this film's going to be batshit insane. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the problem, it's like, because they've written like a lot of really good, fun, cheesy B-movies, but this looks like terrible. This looks B-movie. awful. I wait and see until the film comes out, but at the moment I'm just, yeah, this film just looks insane. I just hope, I mean, again, the best thing about this, Fox is finally releasing a 4K cut of Predator, so there you go. Yay! Hopefully they can finally release a goddamn transfer of that movie that looks good in HD, because all the transfers that exist right about now suck. But it will have garbage. Yeah. So for the love of God, do not fuck up the 4K transfer, Fox. Please. <laughs> Please don't fuck this up. I want a good version of that <laughs> movie on HD. Please. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> John. <laughs> don't leave me. I, don't, I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> Okay, how are you doing? Oh, mm-hmm. God damn it, Paramount. Really? <laughs> really? You want to talk about it? It's just been confirmed in the last 11 minutes. <laughs> it's been confirmed by this, the Hollywood Report, and a couple of other websites. So basically, they're like, okay, we did two movies. But but everyone, but everyone's doing like the shared universe shit right now. So what if we did like a shared universe of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Oh fuck me, it's starting all over again. (laughs) It's basically it's like that meme from Patrick said, "You know that stuff over here? Why don't we move it over there?" (laughs) I mean, (sighs) again, this one. No one liked the first one. I mean, I mean, I mean, mean, here's the thing. First one was okay. I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. Second one was awesome. I like the second one. I don't give a shit what anyone says. The second one, it was like one of those moments when you sit down and watch it, you're like, okay, I know this is semi-bad, but they've done everything right that they should have done in the first film. Yeah, you know? it was a fun summer blockbuster. Yeah. I did not want, I did not go into that movie thinking, oh man, it's going to be really deep and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, I expected a dumb, goofy movie. And I got that. Yeah. I mean, B-Bot and Rocksteady done perfectly. Um, Shredder actually done right. You know, did Jack shit in the film. You know? <sighs> and then, of course, they set up the third movie that I was excited for, and now it's like, ah, fucking reboot. 
And I crying and crying as she looked semi-decent. Oh, the CGI, the CGI work on Krang looked so fantastic in that movie. Yeah. And he, even the presence of him as well was really damaged. It literally came out of and just in that struggle and was like, what the hell? I also love the fact that Brad Garrett voiced him, which, again, Brad Garrett is great. Oh, good, yeah. And now, and now, and now it's like Paramount is like, you know what? Everyone's doing shared universes. Let's do a shared universe with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about that. I really don't know how to feel about that. I think they could have stuck it, but who knows? Maybe they might get hopefully someone different that's not Michael Bay like and actually be a little bit more faithful, a bit more, you know. But who knows? Who knows what's gonna do with it? I mean, it can't be worse than that new cartoon that's coming out. It cannot be worse than that. Please tell me it's not going to be worse than that. I mean, the cartoon will look like that was done on the cheap and look like it's done done on like the newest version of Flash. Yeah, we already talked about that. It looked awful. Yeah, I know. Let's not mention it again. And let's not even acknowledge it. It it exists, even though we're actually talking about it. I told you about it. That's side the point. It looks, it looks awful, no one's going to care about it, but maybe Nickelodeon are going to shake down everyone's throat constantly. Because, like, I hear, I just hate this shit. I, I hate this idea that we need brand recognition. How about you just make good movies? How about that? How about you just make a fucking good movie that I want to see? But, dude, we need, we need the money. We need the money. It's expensive, it's terrible. The is a recognizable brand. We, you know, everything from the eighties and nineties is cool at the moment, and we want to, you know, get everyone hyped for it. I hope to God Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird get paid royalties for this. I hope so too. Didn't wasn't a whole dispute about that we didn't get royalties for the last two films? Did they? Or was that someone I, else? I don't know. I can't remember it was them or some, someone didn't get royalties over something recently. It was during that, sort of like the same decade when something else. Someone was still there on royalties or something. I can't remember it was like, there was some, something from that time period. Oh, Bill Finger you're thinking about. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's a, that's a long cover story. Obscurity. <laughs> yeah. Um... No, I mean, I just hope that they got paid royalties for this, because this is like the third, second reboot of the fucking franchise. Well, third reboot, because 2017 went <laughs> Oh boy, that was another, that was a weird movie. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a bad movie, but it was just like, really? You're going to make an animated TMNT movie that takes elements from the 2003 series and the and the comics and try to create like an ungodly hybrid of the of both of them well it could it could be worth you could be doing a um, a franchise which i love a lot and making a hybrid of a cgi monstrosity with live action film you're talking about blade runner no i'm talking about something the hedgehog oh god <laughs> Thank you for reminding me of that. There's actually a cast list in Logo. <laughs> I, 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 I love the fact that they got James fucking Marsden to, to, to be part of this shit. James fucking <laughs> Marsden. How did they get him? He ain't doing shit, dude. <laughs> Money. Money. <laughs> what else? <sighs> <laughs> oh my god, it looks, you know what I mean, it's like, it's doing done, done by Paramount, so the CGI is probably going to be done by Illumination Studios. Well, it must look good, I guess. They're going, they're going to have their hand in it somewhere, Illumination got their designates somewhere in that pie. Um, um, apparently, what is it, um, apparently, I'm trying to remember CGI, Apparently, they're getting help from one of the CGI production houses, um, based in Japan, that's going to be helping out. I'm not remember at the moment, but they did the last Resident Evil, um, CGI film. Oh, God. So, I don't know. I mean, it's, I mean, is it Tim Miller's involved with it? As well? And, 
was it Patrick Casey involved? Mm. This still makes me depressed. Josh Miller is also involved. As you can see, all-star cast of great <laughs> Hollywood talent right here. Yeah. And also, if you look at the producers, just how many executive producers this film has? Sixteen. Nine. Oh, okay. Two of those are a co-producer. I didn't know that term before. How can you be a co-producer? What? You're either a producer or executive producer. I saw something visual with this film. I guarantee there's a, there's a lot of legal and contractual issues with this film. Well, didn't they, didn't, didn't, they, didn't they move from one, one, from Sony to Paramount? Sony Pictures had acquired the rights for the film back in 2013 and officially gave the green light to the project and it was going to be a partnership with Sony, um, with Sony and Sega. But by, um, in October 20, um, October last year, 2017, due to financial issues, Sony sold the rights to Paramount who retained their film's production stuff. Oh, that's probably the reason why I've got so many producers. Oh, God, I'm just dreading, like, who they're going to cast as the voice of Sonic, because it's not going to be Roger Craig Smith. is going to be some big-name Hollywood actor. <laughs> no, in my luck, it's probably going to be someone like um, David Spade as Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be someone like that, or Ryan Gosling, or someone like that. Oh, what was it? What's his face? Chris Hemsworth is Sonic. <laughs> oh my god. That homework. Tony was sorry, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> no, 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 no. Even Dad's talking about Meg. <laughs> You're tearing your butt, Sonic! <laughs> oh, hi, doggy. <laughs> yeah, get inside my giant way back so I can turn you into a bad Meg. You'll be fun. Uh, I'm fed up in this world. No one lets me out the chaos on me. You know what's sad about this whole thing? Yeah. We're finally getting like a live action CGI Sonic the Hedgehog hybrid movie, and Danny DeVito's not gonna be playing Eggman. That uh, is just a load of bullshit. They still want to announce to playing Eggman, but have that. I, I, I can't remember. I'm losing track of this film. <laughs> I really am losing track of this film. And the guy who's, one of the guys who directing it, um, I don't know, okay, right, I'm just gonna say this and see how you feel about it. He did the first Transylvania, um, I can't remember what he did. I would say, he's done some National Lampoon films. National Lampoon is the market quality. <laughs> He did National Lampoon, um, Parents Doing Days, came out in 2003. Classic, won many um, Oscars. <laughs> um, here's another film he did, it was called I Was a Teenage Frankenstein's Roommate. Again, nothing but the best uh, talent Hollywood has to offer. Josh Miller's writing it. So... Good old Joshy. Yeah. Good old Joshy. Oh my god, I don't... Yeah, I really don't know what to make of this film. It just sounds like it's going to be overstuffed, it's going to be overbearing. They haven't announced... They haven't announced two actors that are going to be... Um, James um, Moss, like Joe Moss, who you said he's going to be in it. He's probably going to be doing the live action stuff, and um, the other one they announced is... Um, Tamika Sumter, I think that's how you pronounce her name. Well, she's done a few things. Again, nothing but the best talent Hollywood has to offer. Oh my god. Oh, I just, uh, I just... What is it? Someone did a prediction list of who might play Buckley Botnick, and basically someone put Brian Cranston down on the list, and I was like, you know what, at this point I take anyone. <laughs> Again, I'm not saying Brian Cranston is bad, but at the same time, I've seen him doing some recent stuff, and the recent stuff he has done has been very mixed. Oh, so man, you didn't love him as Zordon and that great Power Rangers movie that everyone loved. <laughs> oh. I 
I think he did not feel like he was also addicted as well. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know, I don't know what these films are doing. I don't, this film, like, I don't know. If, if, if they will be ballsy, they will get the original voice. Yeah, it is for the characters, but I doubt that that's what will happen, because this is Hollywood, so it has to be someone famous. Like, that's the other thing about Hollywood, is, like, they'll cast, like, voice actors, but only in, like, minor roles. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I mean, what, what is it? Uh, when they did the Teen Titan Go movie, and I'm comparing this to Teen Titan Go, show you how far the quality of is going up here. Um, and all the people who, they kept wanting to voice actors from the TV show, but all the top billing went to all the, the famous celebrities of voicing all the other minor characters in the film. Like, Nicholas Cage got top billing for that film, because he was playing Superman. Well, to be fair, he kind of needs it, considering the IRS troubles that he's dealing with right now. <laughs> and also, he finally, he finally fulfilled his dream. He finally got to play Superman. In some formal manner. Oh, good on him. Um, speaking of, like, weird news, let's end this on, like, the weirdest fucking news we've, we've encountered today. Jeff Goldblum is apparently doing a jazz album. Yeah, the actors signed, um, signed a, life, um, a lifetime of piano playing, basically he's, done, he's known as piano player if you don't know about that. And apparently he's going to be doing a band, um, I hope I'm saying this guy's name correctly. I'm not even trying to pronounce the name, Mildred Smith, so, Orchard, uh, yeah, I'm not even pronounce that last bit, but, but yeah, he's releasing his debut album later this year, a collection of jazz piano recording, and two jazz, <laughs> and apparently he's been doing classical piano as a child before switching to jazz. And apparently he played in cocktail monkeys, I've got to just imagine now, um, that scene from my cocktail, basically, I can just imagine Jeff Goldblum in the background playing, playing, playing some basil toppings in the background serving cocktails. I wouldn't be a film now. <laughs> okay, yeah, we, we get all these sequels to, we get, we get all these sequels to, like, really bad, um, some properties with no one wants reboots or sequels, so why don't we just get a sequel to Cocktail called The Cocktailers? Basically, Tom still working at Cocktail Bar and, um, Jeff Goldblum is now a jazz player <laughs> playing in the bar and they become best buddies. It'd be amazing. Cocktailers! <laughs> <laughs> There's new jazz and cocktails! <laughs> cocktails! Woohoo! I need to remember some cocktails and smooth jazz. <laughs> Oh, you like jazz? <laughs> you like jazz? You like jazz, kid? Well, you're gonna hear it a lot. <laughs> but apparently, the, apparently, um, the, this all came about when he signed with, um, what was the name of the company he signed with? Decker. He signed with Decker because apparently the executives, um, contacted him after seeing him play with, um, George um, Potter on television and apparently they thought he was really good. So they offered him a contract to actually do a do, do a record and he accepted. And apparently he loves jazz. Oh good on him, he has great taste in music. <laughs> yeah, and apparently Jeff Goldblum his statement on the matter was so happy. You know it's amazing. Yeah. The fact that like we were talking about like so many actors doing like shitty movies and stuff. And here's Jeff Goldblum doing something he loves. That's a positive note. Yeah, apparently he did it on the Graham Norton show, um, live. Um, and that's when, that's how, they, that's how he got the contract. Um, he was, he was only meant to be there to promote, um, Jurassic World for Kingdom. Um, he, he ended up playing piano. Because <laughs> he's classically trained. <laughs> good on him. Yeah, good on him. I'm happy for him. It's cool seeing him doing it. He's happy to do it. It's something of a hobby for him, so he's doing a hobby. I'm not saying that it wasn't his hobby, but still, you know. Well, to be fair, Jeff Goldblum is one of the most polarizing actors of our generation. 
again, the guy from Jurassic Park and um, Young Grace. That's the only two things I know him from. Exactly. Yeah, you haven't seen The Fly with him? Oh, no. Oh, God, I forgot he was in that. Yep, uh, yeah, I've seen The Fly. Oh, he was really good in that. <laughs> to be fair, that film's so bashy in silence. James Warren, the whole time. Oh, Independence Day. That's the only one he did. <laughs> oh, God. It's a bad day. I mean, I was... Well, again, Jurassic Park not really flop, but... Independence Day. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, ooh, that was something. God, I mean, that's a, that's a wonderful thing, is like, him being in, in the newest uh, Jurassic World movie. A lot of people are gonna look him up now, and they're gonna find this batshit insane filmography, and they're gonna wonder what the fuck <laughs> were people on when they hired this guy. <laughs> Well, again, I think the low point of Jeff Golden crew was doing cats and dogs. I still love the fact that his first ever film role was one of the rapists in Death Wish. I am not <laughs> kidding. <laughs> oh god, I forgot he was in, um... He was in that Wes Anderson film, The Life Across the River, and Steve... And whatever was... Steve yeah. I oh god, I forgot about that joke where he just sits there and he's like, some crooked fucker took my, <laughs> took my stereo or something. I just, god, that was awful. <laughs> I remember, yeah, I remember that film was, was had mixed reviews and it was a terrible flop. The only, but, movie, uh, the only movie I ever walked out on, so there you go. But apparently it has called funding for some weird reason. Again, it's a, it's a Wes Anderson film, so pretty much everything he does becomes a cult following almost. Anyway, I think that's it. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Yeah, so, thanks for listening. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.